재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Drama World centers around Claire, who is a immersive Korean drama fan, and I I wondered, Chris, is that you? Uh, so originally, I was like a huge, huge fan of uh, Korean films. Uh, and so that's kind of where I got started. I would say I'm a, I'm not as like a crazy fan like like Claire is of Korean drama. She just absolutely loves them, right? But I was I was working out in LA uh, uh, at a film company out there, and I I was doing some really just low level stuff. There was there was one day I was literally uh, picking the leaves up off of uh, Ridley Scott's patio, and I was like, you know what? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could do the same stuff because all my favorite directors are Korean Korean film directors. So I was like, I could do at least the same stuff with these guys that I really am in love with. And so uh, I moved over here, but I, I moved to Busan because I thought at the time the Busan Yangwaje, the Busan Film uh, Festival, I was like, oh yeah, that must be where all the movies happen. Uh, so I got over here. Not exactly the case, uh, but that's how. Yeah, it's kind of how I got over here. Cool, Sean. You are the main character. You are a uh, a almost robotically handsome leading man in the drama. That's not really you, though, right? That's exactly me. That's that's who I am. That's who you're talking to right now. No, yeah. I I, uh, I uh, appreciate you saying I was robotic. <laughs> well, that's the kind that of makes thing. people want to watch the show. No, I mean you're playing watch this. Be a robot. It's no. almost like watching Blue Steel. You are uh, this because this pulls out every trope uh, of Korean drama. I mean, I within the first five minutes, if you have even a slight familiarity with Korean drama, you're laughing because uh, you summarize <laughs> you summarize every plot line. Uh, you have this one montage where you're turning around five times as five different sort of archetypical characters, uh, and it's hilarious. So um, <laughs> people like that that part of the first episode. That's really funny. So how did you guys cross paths in the first place? Uh, I did a show back in 2011 called Athena, Goddess of War, mm. and uh, it was like Korea's version of 24. Um, it was a spinoff series of this other Korean drama called Iris. And uh, we were at a um, like a rap party after one of the shoots. And, you guys uh, just got back from Italy. There was a bunch of stuff you guys shot in Italy, right? And uh, and it was this big restaurant with a, all the Korean staff, like a hundred Korean staff, and I'm sitting there. And then um, I was on the post team for that, so I was doing uh, some like I was like syncing sound for the for the drama because I was okay. working at the post house that was doing the doing the drama. And so I was there with the post team. Uh, you were there with all the actors and the rest of the production team. And then there was somebody that we knew. Uh, we had a mutual one of the one of the uh, editors. Right. You knew, and she was like, "Oh, you guys have to meet." And then everybody wanted us all to get together, and they were like, "Okay, now speak in English together," because you know, just staring at us awkwardly. And so we we're like, <laughs> "Hi," um, and it just started <laughs> so, with there like a hundred oh, so Korean staff staring at us like speak English, uh, and. Uh, but we were just friends first and, and uh, slowly grew into more of a serious thing and we're engaged now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I have to tell my so, wife yeah. it's going to be... Uh... So, uh, <laughs> I support you 100%. <laughs> what, what courage? What courage? I guess the first thing we worked on was in 2013. Uh, Chris was working with Vicky, which, which is the, the platform that eventually picked up uh, Drama World. And we did a, an ad campaign with those guys. And so Sean was like the star of that ad campaign uh, as well. The ad campaign propelled the idea of you two as sort of a working team, right? Yeah, yeah the first we time never we... really, before that we were just friends and we never really worked on anything together. And then we did that and that kind of spurred this idea of, hey, we have a lot of similar experiences, having lived in the U.S. a lot, but also lived in Asia a lot. And so it's, it's, 
we have a very similar mindset about the kind of content we want to create, and we just started to talk more and more about that kind of stuff, and that's kind of where Drama World uh, came from. We, re- we realized that there was a there was a large audience of non-Korean fans for Korean entertainment, and it, it goes beyond that. Vicky has 40 million viewers a month, and uh, 80% of them are not Asian. And um, there's this audience where there, there's no content being made for them, specifically them. Not like Korean dramas or U.S. dramas, but something... Something in between. In between, you know. So you're getting very much at my, my main question is, who's the target audience for Drama World? You're talking... You're directly addressing people that have a foot in multiple cultures. Definitely. The main audience, when we were thinking about it, was these fans. These fans of, 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 uh, of Korean dramas, right? And I think that can be extrapolated to, to many different things, you know. But it is kind of, it's like one foot in, in both worlds to some extent. And we wanted to make content for those guys. And that's actually, we actually have a company together. A company's called Third Culture Content. Okay. Which kind of speaks to that point as well. Uh, that we want to make content... Uh, on a global level, on, on a global level, because we think that these boundaries are starting to disappear, but there's a lot more people that that are a part of multiple uh, cultures as well. Yeah, and and to the point of of appealing to people that are multi, what you said, like multicultural, was that the word you used? Was, yeah, somebody who's got their head at least mostly around two separate cultures. I think it's that's that's one way to look at it, but I think it's more about drama world was. We're, we're living in a world now where there are platforms that reach people based on what they like. And uh, Vicky, uh, Drama Fever, there's these platforms that exist now that um, appeal to people that love Asian content. And so we're finding ourselves in a space where um, we're creating content based on what people like, not based on what country they reside in. So to say that they're like, we're, we're only targeting people that are multicultural, I think that that's kind of limiting too. It's more about like, it doesn't matter where you're from. You guys all like Korean dramas. This show is for you. Do you know what I mean? Or like, It's a demographic or a target audience bound together by what they like rather than what they are. Right. Or where they're from or the language they speak. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a... And, and there's infrastructure now for content creators to make content to get it out to people based on that fact, not based on, you know, the traditional mediums where it's TV, TV and film where it's, it's like, uh, okay, is this show American? Then what, mm, what U.S. Mm, network is picking mm. it up or what, what, what U.S. studio is, 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 is distributing this or something like that. Now it's, it's like this is for that niche audience in America, South America, Europe. You know, and there's a platform now to reach all those people. So, how do you sniff out that that kind of audience? More specifically, how did you sniff out the drama world audience? How did you know? Was it a gut feeling that that audience was out there? Or? I mean, when uh, my writing partner and I were writing, it was one of those things where this is kind of the life that I've had to some extent. And so, I found myself. I lived in I lived in Korea for for three years. I lived in Singapore for four years, and I was back and forth to Korea a lot of the time too. And then. One of the things I really recognized was that I don't think I can make Korean Korean content. But then I got back to the U.S. and I was like, I don't think I can make like straight up U.S. content either. And so I think this was a very natural process of discovery for, oh, this is the kind of content that I can actually create. Um, and but through that, I think we found that there is this this world that, you know, and especially with drama world too. There's there's enough stuff that's a little like western enough that like western audiences that only know that kind of thing will watch it and maybe they start to like korean content or people that only know korean content watch it and they like they're like oh this this western influence is kind of interesting so i think that we're we're serving up this dish that people get really excited about because they taste it and there's something they like in it and there's like i've never had that before but i like that too 
So it's not a binary switch. There's spillover between the cultural sure. elements. Well, that I came to you here today with the question, which audiences are reacting to it better, but it sounds like it's a hybrid audience anyway. We were pretty surprised. So we actually just had a uh, Netflix did a VIP screening for us. Uh, and so we had done a big screen in the U.S. And when we did the screen in the U.S., I know the points where people are going to laugh because like, I know where they should be laughing. And I kind of had an idea where people were going to laugh in the Korean screening. But then that changed. Like, and they're both different, right? And so I think that really made me happy because I was like, that idea that we had that this could be global... We definitely sat down when we were trying to make her the fans at first because, like, that was the main audience. But, like, you know, when we got a, getting greedy, you're like, oh, I want everybody to love it. Uh, but feeling, feeling the warm reception that we've had over here has been really exciting, too. It was a gut feeling, I think. A lot of times we'd be, well, we're in every step of from development to getting this. When we're pitching it around, it's a... It's a strange thing to see on paper because it's in it's in two different languages. It's uh, it's what, what American girl in a Korean drama. People mm -hmm. are like, okay, it sounds cool, and they always ask, who is this for? There's a, so many questions, and then once we get into making the show, filming it, and everything leading up to finally coming out, we were constantly asking ourselves and convincing ourselves, like, this this will work, right? <laughs> because it was really a gut thing. Because there's no precedent for something like this, and I don't mean that in a boastful way. I mean that because if we had precedent, we would have known about it. And we we would have tried to use every everything we could to help ourselves. But there we were we were having to like pave new way to to get the show off the ground. You know, so. in a sense, there's not too too much at stake putting out something like this, is there? Because you're not buying hours Just and hours of network. Of, lots of my pride and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. but. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the budget is not insignificant, but it's not uh, m monstrous. Uh, you're not buying hours and hours of, like, cable airtime or whatever. This is going out on a sort of time-shifted basis to whoever wants to watch it, right? So the stakes are low enough for you to take some risks, just inherently in the platform. That's true, yeah. I think, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it's, you know... The, the the flip side of that is we were just having dinner last night with some uh, investors. We're constantly, you know, we're getting other projects off the ground right now too. And and what we hear a lot is it's much harder to raise a small amount of money than like a huge lump sum of money because when you try to raise money based on one project, it's like it gets really nitpicky. So how is this one project going to make this money back and it was like it's a it was a hard sell i gotta say like at the as we we're getting it going like it was a very very difficult <laughs> thing to convince people to actually put down for and and partner up to to do but um but everyone's happy now so it's good just but. as as content guys who are doing the biz development of this kind of stuff are, are you looking to korea in terms of the way content is distributed or i mean korea it seems everybody is consuming content in Korea in kind of a time-shifted way on personal devices. Is that where your head is at in terms of making I content? I think that's the whole world. I think the whole world is, has changed to where I, I, I haven't had cable in 10 years. You okay. know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel like everybody's kind of had this this big shift. And so now I, I think that there is, it's hard because there's not much a differentiation between like TV, like what's TV, what's a digital show and what's a TV show anymore, right? Because mm -hmm. everything's on the internet. And so... Uh, scale, maybe you could like you could kind of say that, but I think that 
yeah, everybody wants to like just like Claire. They're watching their 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 show on their phone, you know, in the subway. It's interesting about Claire. She works in a coffee shop, and she is always getting in trouble because she's watching her mobile content. I've actually got a clip where she's telling you, the customer who just wants a Swiss cheese uh, and turkey sandwich, uh, what a Korean drama is all about. Yeah. His character in Taste of Love is totally my favorite. I mean, I definitely liked him in Leaves in the Fall. He was a lot more, like, sensitive. Oh, and then there was an arrow through my heart. He was a lot more manly. Oh, and then there was the time he played an alien who didn't think he'd ever fall in love. And then he did. Each series, he just got better and better. But in all those, he'd always kiss the girl by episode nine. Episode 13 of Taste of Love comes out tonight, and he still hasn't kissed his poor, spunky dishwasher-turned-sous-chef. Uh... Can I get a turkey? You gotta first? understand, in a Korean drama, that first kiss is everything. Lettuce, tomato, it means they're in mustard. Love. It's not like American shows where a kiss means nothing. No, in K drama, when a guy kisses a girl, that's it. That's true love forever. So right there, she has uh, summarized basically all of Korean drama in a couple of lines of dialogue. Sure. Is it a parody? Is this a send-up of a Korean drama? I don't think it's a, a parody. We'd like to think of that we're we were. It's a love it's letter. A love letter, yeah. Okay. Uh, because it's like we wouldn't didn't make this to make fun of Korean drama. It, it, just... I, I think the Korean drama always has this power. I think a lot of people, a lot of people do see Korean drama, like especially a lot of like uh, Westerners see Korean drama and they're like, oh, it's cheesy or it's this. But then if they actually sit down and watch like two episodes, they're like crying and like hooked on it. And so, you know, this was kind of our love letter to, to the power of what Korean dramas can be and, like, how this, you know, how fandom does, does go into someone's life. And, and uh, yeah, it's all, it was all done out of love, honestly. You uh-huh. know? And, and to that point of uh, once we got on Netflix, um, what was really surprising was a lot of people that watched the show uh, had never watched a Korean drama before. And that was a really eye-opening thing for us we didn't we we made it with the core audience in mind you know of of uh people who like korean drama but we'd be getting stuff on twitter and instagram everything being like i've never seen a korean drama before and now i can't get enough after seeing drama world and so to to see drama world as possibly this gateway show (laughs) like the gateway drug the (laughs) gateway drug for they get they watch this and then they're just they get hooked into the genre that's a position that we never expected to be considered by even one person so we're very thankful for that i re- i remember at the screening we were we were watching it in la and some of my like asian american friends they looked over and they were like you know the, the craziest thing was i looked over and i saw these like hipster white guys like enjoying a korean drama that <laughs> yeah. much and i was like oh yeah oh this is pretty good <laughs> let me ask you what what itch does a korean drama scratch for hipster white guys that uh, western drama or u.s drama does not one of the things i always talk about is you know, if we're going to use, like, the sort of Western model. Remember the 80s, right? And we had all this, like, really fun cinema. And, like, people enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun ride. And you smiled and you laughed. And people fell in love. And that's... The, the, the whole temperature of the world is not like that right now. Like, we have terrorism all the time. We have shootings all the time. And so I think that sometimes people really crave a little bit of happiness. And just, like... Uh, and, and fantasy and, and, and stuff like that. And I think that Korean dramas often do provide that. I mean, obviously, there are some dark Korean dramas and stuff, too, but I think there is this this element of people falling in love and people, like, things turning out okay. Uh, and just the playfulness of all that, that, that 
I think that's part of their power. A little sugar syrup. Yeah, yeah. And even as dysfunctional as some of these Korean families are, maybe they're not dysfunctional, that's the wrong word, as intense as some of these Korean families are, they are a cohesive unit, and there are so many dysfunctional or broken or separated families in the U.S. that maybe the, the family aspect of it is something that appeals. I think that's actually really... I think there's a nostalgia to it of, like, the... the there's something very... Um, wholesome and and i mean for the romantic part I, I i like to call it like wholesome sexy where you know you're not having people like in gossip girl where they're sleeping with each other all in the first episode there's a long drawn out you know uh romance but then from the family aspect that like maybe there is some nostalgia where people miss like when family was really really important <laughs> you know like not saying that it's it's not in family's important to everyone but i mean there's just such a it's so ingrained in the culture here and it just comes out in their entertainment, which is why I think also there's such a strong following for Korean drama in like the Middle East, South America, where and like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, um, European. There's just there, there's these these communities that I think uh, share this similar like family values. You know, is this um, basically just a both sides of the Pacific kind of thing, or are you getting hits from the Middle East? All over. All like, over. We get comments on Instagram, on Twitter. It's in Arabic and French and Spanish and Korean and Chinese. Like, it's just from all over, which has been, like, really cool to see. It's been just the the worldwide response of something like like, like that. We, we could have never imagined that we would have had that uh, when we were starting production on this. Wow. How much on board is the so-called... Um K-drama establishment, the powers that be, the big three networks and so on, that make these actual heavy, heavy K-dramas, are they appreciative of what you've done? A lot of uh, industry people came to our, our the VIP screening that Netflix held and, uh, I mean, big hitters and uh, actors, writers, directors and uh, it was really surprising how supportive a lot of them were. They, I think the overall response was, wow, um, this is really new and fresh and uh, almost something that um, they, they saw it as a unique take that I don't think a purely Korean content creator could have thought of because the perspective is different. We're almost like coming at it from a different different angle and not holding up the mirror and exposing flaws, but just like it was interesting to them, this new perspective. It's like they were looking at their own genre, the thing that they've spent their lives putting, you know, putting out in a, in a new way. And it's like, it was cool that, that they responded in that way. It wasn't like, what are you guys doing? Stop making fun of us, which is what I, we thought maybe a lot of them would Well, I think, I mean, I think we also, one of the things we really took pride in was like, yeah, we kind of have those playful scenes, the shower scenes and, you know, kimchi slap, all that kind of stuff. But then we have a true real story underneath it all. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it's not just a skit. It's mm. like we really, we really build those characters, and everybody has a life, and so that's one of the things that I really wanted to make sure was that all those characters were real, and they weren't, they weren't flat, and they, you know, they grew and stuff, and so that was that was the most important. So that it wasn't just a parody; it was actually we were creating something new at the same time. I haven't watched the full run of Drama World, but is there a kimchi slap in there? Oh God, did I reveal too much? <laughs> Get ready for it. Yeah. I know the real kimchi slap. <laughs> Have you seen the YouTube thing yeah. where it's a ten-minute loop yeah. of the kimchi slap? You gotta I've... get ready. His his poor face. Uh... Oh, are you the recipient of the kimchi slap, Sean? Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, not as a director, I kept making him do it over and over. <laughs> and over. Take... I, I took 
just all those frustrations that get built up, you know, yeah. when you work together and stuff. I was like, I was like, you know what, guys? I think we're gonna have to do that one again. Yeah, I think we got it, Chris. <laughs> no, no, we're good. No, kimchi slap, take fourteen. Like uh, my face is not red from the kimchi anymore. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> missing skin now. <laughs> Welcome to Drama World. That's my conversation there with Chris Martin, who's the director of Drama World, and Sean Dulake, who's the lead actor of Drama World. They're both Americans, but the production is uh, a co-production of Korea, America, and a Chinese company. Just to recap, Drama World airs on an internet platform called Viki, but it's gotten much wider play recently when Netflix added it to their offerings. Features a an American super fan of Korean drama named Claire, who finds herself magically plunged into the storyline of her favorite K-drama. It's good fun to watch, and I really want to thank both of those guys, Chris Martin and Sean Dulake, for taking the time to talk to me at that Gangnam Cafe. And that's going to bring this edition of Koreascape to a close. Our show is produced by E.Q. Huang, with associate production by Jamie Lee and writing by GP1. I'm Kurt Asian. You know, every good Korean drama has a signature song, right? Well, Drama World is no exception. Here now is a little taste of Don't Wake Me Up from Esna. See you tomorrow. Time, <laughs> 